What is your purpose in life? I don't think I have one. What is your purpose in life? Uh, I haven't figured that out yet. Have you ever thought about it before? Nope. You've never thought about it? Nope. <laughs> Not at all. I <laughs> uh, haven't spent any time on it. You haven't spent any time thinking about what your purpose is in life? Not recently. Should I be? Well, you tell me. It's your life. No, I haven't spent any time on that. I just go day to day. That's just it. What is your purpose in life? I really haven't put that much thought into it. Why not? Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to have a good time. What is my purpose in life? You gotta give me time to think about okay, that think one. About it. Mm, get through it. Don't kill anybody. Just keep doing, doing until I get it over with. Just be happy. It's just to be happy. I think that I should have fun and uh, be happy. To um, to be happy, I mean, my family happy and my boyfriend happy and just be happy. I don't really feel that I'm here to do anything in particular. I mean, it's not like I think that I'm destined to do something or be someone or something like that. I'm just kind of going through the routines, you know, as society's laid it all out for us. I feel like I have a purpose to help preserve, conserve uh, the beauty of nature. Hopefully leave some sort of legacy. To contribute to the betterment of mankind. Tell me what your purpose in life is. Mm, go to work, go home, live. You gotta, I don't I got a purpose. Everybody got a purpose on earth, but I ain't found my purpose out yet. To live a long life and to be prosperous. What's my purpose in life? My purpose in life is uh, to be successful. To be successful and to lead a happy, fulfilling life. To provide well for my family. I want to be a really powerful uh, woman. Build, my career built in financial area. Do you think that you have a purpose? Uh, not necessarily. I think purpose is just to do what you want to do. Go out and live life and have fun. Yeah, I think everybody has a purpose in life. And what would that purpose be for you? Uh, I'm not sure yet. What is your purpose in life? My purpose in life is basically to live the best life I can and to help others and be there for my friends and my family. How do you know that that's your purpose? Where does that come from? It comes from within my heart and my head. How do you know having fun is your purpose? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just personal philosophy. Get it from what I think, that's it. How do I know this is my purpose? What kind of question is that? Boy, I think you got to start drinking before you talk about that, really. What is your purpose in life? Um, my purpose in life, um, I, I am uh, deeply rooted in the uh, Christian faith, and uh, uh, my purpose would be to uh, glorify God in all that I do. Do you have a purpose in life? Uh, no. <laughs> have you ever thought about it before? I guess I've thought about it a little, but it scares me, so I don't. What do you mean it scares you? Um, I don't know. I just like to more concern myself with living day to day, having fun. And that's it? That's pretty much it. Uh, and yeah, more or less, we're just going through the motions here, and you know, you do what you, you feel like doing. I don't think there's anything really pushing or pulling us in any direction. And, uh, you know, it ends whenever your life ends. fun be happy try not to kill anybody <laughs> man you know uh what a question what is your purpose and i think if we're all honest you know in reality that question has been asked since the dawn of time why am I here? What, what, what does all this mean? What's your purpose? What I want to do today is kind of see if we can attach this idea. This idea that we're on a pursuit this year. To that word that's under our logo and everything that you see that says purpose. 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 Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So today we're going to talk about the pursuit of purpose. Here's one of the ways you can know that people are starving to know purpose. Rick Warren wrote a book several years ago called The Purpose Driven Life. It was the best-selling nonfiction book of all time other than the Bible. 35 million copies. 
A lot of people want to know, why am I here? And anytime you start asking those questions, and, and you saw a couple of the folks on the video, they would say, I know I have a purpose. I just have no idea what it is. And I, I want to submit to you this morning that that's not the way that we need to live our lives. And that's certainly not the way followers of Christ need to live their lives. We ought to live our life on purpose, with purpose. And this is not the first time you've heard me talk about this, but I... See, I, I think anytime you start talking about the word purpose, I think people have a, maybe a misconception about what it is you're going to be talking about. So I want to clear that up at the beginning. So I'm going to... I'm going to submit to you that we all of us have a primary purpose, one that we all share, that we all have in common, and then we all have secondary purpose. And I don't want you to think by using the term secondary that I'm, that I'm diminishing the importance of our secondary purposes because they're, they're important. Let me see if I can fill in the blanks for you. Your secondary purpose is who you marry where you work, where you go to school, how many kids you going to have. You serve in ministry. If so, where? Who do I date? Who do I spend my time with? What do I do with my money? All those things are important, right? It's kind of important who you marry, right? Because that can go wrong, right? It's kind of important where you, where you go to school, Kind of important what you do for a living. All those things are very, very important. But what I want to submit to you this morning is that all of those things are secondary to our primary purpose. So what's, what's our primary purpose? Well, we're going to get that. But here's, here's the problem that we find. Is we, we try to find our secondary purposes while ignoring our primary purpose. In other words, I try to figure out who to marry, where to go to school, where to work, what to do with my life apart from my primary purpose. And I'm going to submit to you, I'm using that word submit a lot today, that you're only going to find your divine secondary purpose in the context of your pursuit of your primary purpose. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Not that, not that God's not interested in where you work, because He is. And, God, and God's interested in who you marry. And God's interested in what you do with your life. But in the context of your primary purpose, if you're taking notes, write this down. God created you for a purpose. And your purpose is to glorify Him. <laughs> Dwayne, that sounds pretty pretty spiritual and pretty religious i don't really if i were to ask you what the word glorify meant we would get a lot of different so we're going to unpack that today because you know i can remember you know sitting and hearing that word uh in the, in the context of a sermon or a, a lesson and going that sounds so churchy and i don't really know what that means so we're going to see if we can unpack that a little bit today Isaiah 43, verse 7 said, says, everyone, God said, everyone. You know, I did a word study on that, on that word, everyone. You know what it means? Everyone. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, you are designed for God's glory. And what we've done is we've tried to rob that from him. We want to live our lives for whose glory? Ours. And I'm going to tell you that as long as you live your life for your glory, it, you're never going to find that perfect plan and purpose for your life. As long as you're the star of your story, it'll only be about you. And the day they lay you in the ground, the story will be over. I don't know about you, but I want to invest my life in something that I can leave and something I can take with me. Truth of, is, of the matter is, as a follower of Christ, you have a high calling. You're like, Dwayne, I'm not a very good Christian. 
<laughs> Most of us aren't. I, I can think of one. His name was Jesus. He was a really good Christian. All the rest of us are struggling a little bit. But it doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Please hear this. I don't care if you've been this all your life. I don't care if you're, you're new to the faith. You have a high calling. Glorifying God with your life is the highest calling on the planet. Glorifying God with your life is the highest call. You'd have to step down to be president of the United States because God's got his hand on your life. If you know Jesus, here's what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. And oh, by the way, if you know Jesus, you've got a testimony. Or of me as prisoner, instead, instead share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. Listen to this. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not, uh oh, here we go. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Can I let that settle for a minute? The season you're in right now, God knew it before time began. The battle you're facing today, God knew it before time began. The, the struggle you, you might be in today, God knew it before time began. And listen, if he knew it before time began, the provision was there before time began. So what, here, here's what I want to do today, y'all. Um, some of what I'm going to share with you today is a little hard to hear. Uh, one pastor I listen to, when he starts talking like this, he always says, we're going to spend some time swimming in the deep end of the pool today. But he, I, I, need you to, I need you to hear my heart. One of the most distressing things for a pastor. It, it's, it's, it's not about when money doesn't come in. It's not about when the air conditioner breaks. All those things are just, that's just part of the job. One of the most distressing things for a pastor is to do all you can do to, to put some food on the table and watch hungry people sit there and starve. The, the most distressing thing is to feel like you've got a solution for someone's problem and then be quite content to stay in the season that they're in. So, we may swim at the deep end of the pool today, and this might be a little hard to hear. But, but if we're going to do that, we might have to grow up a little bit. We, we might have to take a, a little bit of a introspection and learn about where we are. Because I'm going to give you, I don't know, four or five speed bumps that will stop you from realizing the divine purpose that God has for your life. Four or five speed bumps, and they're hard to say, and, and some of them are hard to hear, but let's go. How, how about it? Which, number one, in, habitual, intentional sin. <laughs> I wish you could have just seen the blanket just fall over the whole church. Listen, there, there's, not a, there's not a perfect person in this, in this building because my wife's not here today. You and I sin. You say things you shouldn't say. So do I. I've said things I shouldn't say from this pulpit. We think things we ought not think. We let our mind go places it shouldn't go. Listen, if you've been called by Christ Jesus, you don't live in sin. And here's the problem. The problem is when, when the enemy has a hold on something in your life that you keep going back to time after time after time after time after time, there's no way you can live in a habitual intentional sinful state and realize god's purpose for your life doesn't work like that 
Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to live a perfect life. I'm saying that thing. And I bet in your mind you already know what that thing is. If you hang on too tightly to that thing, all of a sudden your life's going to become about that thing. You'd be more concerned about that thing than pleasing your heavenly Father. Here's the way Jesus said it. Truly, I say to you, this is John chapter 8, it's not on the screen, you just got to listen to me. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Jesus didn't come to make you a slave. He came to set you free from the law of sin and death. So let me ask you a question. Why do we intentionally, I saw this goofy video the other day, and it just made me think of this. Um, It was a guy that had that had dropped a GoPro camera off of a, a pier in Florida. And so he, he now got the camera down there, and he's, and he's fishing. And so you get to see the fish as they come up after this bait. It's like bird's eye view. It's kind of cool. But here's what happened. They'd nip at it and nip at it and nip at it. And all of a sudden, there's a feeding frenzy that you can never see from the surface. Just a feeding frenzy. Uh, just nipping at this bait, nipping at this bait. Then all of a sudden, somebody comes along, takes a big bite, and he's what? He's hooked. Isn't that the way we play with sin? We nip at it, and 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 then before you know it, the enemy's got his claws deep in your soul. Fortunately, there's a solution. His name is Jesus. And he sent his precious Holy Spirit. This is the way I look at it. I've never committed a, an intentional sin without tripping over the Holy Ghost. Think about that. Because he's, he's tugging at your heart, isn't he? And you know it. We, we talk about falling into sin. We don't fall. We walk right in the door. And, and what I want you to hear from me today, I, and I'm not talking to you as someone that's got this all figured out. I'm still working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. But here's what I've learned, is that habitual, intentional sin will stop you from becoming everything God has planned for you. Secondly, First speed bump is habitual, intentional sin. This, the second thing is displaced priorities. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If I were to say to you, um, what's the most important thing in your life? See, because we're good church-going people, you'd say, you'd say Jesus is the most important thing. M- my question is, is he really? Is he really the most important thing in your life? In other words, you would forsake everything else in your life in order to please him. In other words, before you spend your time on anything else, you spend it on him. Before you spend your money on anything else, you spend it on him. Before you spend your life on anything else, it's him. Is he that important? Well, I don't know. I saw something in my heart one day that changed the way I live my life. And I'd like to share with you, if I, can, if I can describe it to you, the way God showed it to me. And I tried one time during a sermon a couple years ago, and it was a miserable failure, and I didn't do it very well. So I'm going to try to do better this time. Y'all pray for me. And it, I'm a list guy. Any, any list people, you just like to make a list? You like to make a list? Am I the only list person in this room? Okay, okay, there's a couple list people. And, and so I, most of mine are digital because my handwriting's atrocious, and, I, and I'll write it on a sheet of paper, and then guess what? I lose the sheet of paper. But I ain't going to lose my phone, so I, a lot of my lists are digital. And I looked at my task list, which I have to make a task list, and, 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 and I saw my devotion on my task list. And on this particular app that I use, I checked off my task my devotion, and it was, it was on top. I checked it off, and I felt so good and Christian. 
And y'all, I sense the Holy Spirit. Is, so you done? We, we done today? <laughs> Jesus will not be confined to your task list. He is not, I don't care if he's at the top of it. So I want you to get that idea. We, we like to make priority lists, don't we? All right. God and family and church and, you know, fill in the blank, work, whatever, however your, whatever your philosophy of priority is. That's what we like to do. God's first. God's first. And I'm going to tell you that that's the wrong way. We don't need to look at our priorities as God's first and everything else comes underneath. That's in my mind, the incorrect way to look at it. We don't want to look at it on a list. Now, this is what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine a wheel with spokes in it coming out from a hub. And on those spokes are my family and my work and my friends, my children and grandchildren. And guess who's at the hub of the center of that wheel? His name is Jesus. Jesus belongs at the center of everything we are. A and if he isn't, our priorities are displaced. And the only way I'm going to find his divine purpose is when I put him in the middle of every part of my life. And you're like, well, Dwayne, there's something I can't put him in the middle of. Then it probably doesn't need to be in your life. So habitual, intentional sin. Y'all okay with this so far? I'm glad three of you are. So two or three gathered. We're, we got it. Displaced priorities. <laughs> the third one, that, that'll prevent you from becoming and realizing God's purpose in your life. Selfishness. We are selfish people. We are selfish people. You know, we're teaching a, uh, in a few weeks, Don and I got a privilege to teach a, a, a marriage conference in South Georgia. And one of the things I'm going to share with them is, is this, this topic. Do you know every problem you'll ever have in your marriage has its root in selfishness? Every problem. Every problem. I don't care if you're fighting about money. Well, I want to spend it this way. I don't care if you're fighting about children. I want to raise them this way. Every problem. I'm going to say every sin you've ever committed had selfishness at its core. Because I want what I want more than I want what God wants. And as long, listen, y'all, please, this is the part you got to get. As long as this life is about you, you'll never find the kind of purpose I'm talking about. As long as it's about me, I'll never walk in divine purpose. I will, however, walk in the purpose that I choose. And listen, you may choose your own. Live a long, healthy, happy life. But I promise you it'll be second best to the divine purpose that God has for you. And, and, and that's the part that I, I, when I said earlier, it, it distresses me as a pastor because I, I see people settle for second best and it breaks my heart. And y'all, I, I can see it coming. When it, when it stops being about this, and it stops being about, starts being about this. There's trouble on the way. It's just reality. So the speed bumps are habitual, intentional sin, displaced priorities, selfishness. And maybe one of the greatest roadblocks to you walking in God's will and purpose is something we'll call unforgiveness.
You know, Jesus talked a lot about unforgiveness. He said some very strong words about unforgiveness. He said things like, if you can't forgive them, how can I forgive you? And, and here's what happens when you carry, and, and here's how it affects your purpose in your pursuit of Christ. What happens is we carry that inside of us, and it festers, and it boils. And all of a sudden, it, like a cancer, it begins to invade every part of your life. You carry unforgiveness long enough, here's what will happen. You'll be a bitter, lonely, angry person. And you'll never find God's purpose. How can God, how can God reveal a, a divine, holy purpose to you when you won't forgive somebody? Of some, and, and here's some, listen, I've had to travel this journey. And I, so what I'm not, I'm not talking to you about something I've read in a book. I'm talking, I, I carried some unforgiveness for a very long time. And, and I'd like, I like to think that I, I gave it all up at one point, and I didn't. And it took some time. But I'm going to tell you, you've you got to let that stuff go. Well, you don't know what they did. You don't know how big the hurt was. I, 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 my heart breaks for you. You walk through something that was tormented and, and traumatizing. But listen to me. You've you got two choices. You can carry it with you the rest of your life and let it hurt you and kill you and destroy what God wants to do in your life. Or you can let it go. And you'll find God's purpose in your life. And I said these things to you today because I'm angry with you. But because I want God's best for you. I want God's best for our community. And I've got, I've got this picture in my mind of what this church is supposed to look like. And, is, and I'm not... I, let me just get real with you. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know who's carrying what. It's not my business. But this part of this sermon, it was like I was taking notes when I started. So somebody is dealing with some of this stuff. And, and I'm pleading with you. Man, we used to say in my home church, you need to get that under the blood. Get it under the blood. So if, if those are the roadblocks, what, is, what does glorifying God look like? Well, that's, that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time together. We glorify God when we, first of all, look, I love this, when we reflect His goodness. I'm just going to ask a question. Anybody in this room, God's been good to you? Has He been good to you? You ought to raise your hand. God's been good to me. Oh, hasn't He, though? Why? Why has he been good to you? Why has he been good? You know what the standard answer is? God's been good to me because he loves me. Right? He does love you. has nothing to do why he's good to you. You know why God's good to you? Because God's good. He can do nothing but be good. <laughs> he's not good to you because you deserve it. He's not good to you because he's fond of you. He's not good to you because you came to church this morning. He's not good to you because you, you did 84321, put some money in. That's not, why, that's not why God's good to you. God's good to you because he's good. He's, and he's let you see it. All right, this is the part you got to get. He's let you see his goodness. If you were here last week, we said that God's glory was that part of him that he let us see. He's let you see his goodness. He's let you see his goodness. He's let you see those moments when, uh, Matthew said it earlier, he made a way when there wasn't one. When he healed your family, when he broke the chains of addiction, when he, and, and the list goes on and on and on and on. But see, if he's been good to you, he did it because he's good, but he expects you to do something with it. We reflect 
His goodness. I read it last week, but I'm going to read it again. So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. If you've seen it, your responsibility is to now reflect it. If you've seen God's goodness and God's mercy and God's peace, God's forgiveness, it is now your job as a follower of Christ to reflect it to a lost and dying world. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. (laughs) See, the more you reflect God's glory, the less you look like you. And the more you look like Him. So we glorify God when we reflect His goodness. We glorify God when we praise His works. You know, if you, if you just look at God from the outside in, you would think that He was full of Himself. Because all through Scripture, we're commanded to praise Him. You know why it would appear that God is full of Himself? Because he is. If you're perfect, what else would you want to be full of? God in his perfection recognizes his own perfection. And calls those imperfect ones to also recognize his perfection. And that's called praise. Listen, when God, when God lets you see part of him, and oh, by the way, the, the part of God that he's let you see, his goodness, grace, and mercy. Man, that, how many know that that's not all of God? That if, if, if he shows you all of him, you'd fall on, on your face dead right here in the middle of this church. But our job is to now. I, and I guess, you, you know, I always have a hard time when I compare my experience as a father to our Heavenly Father. But that's, that's my paradigm. There's nothing more frustrating that when you give your child something that they act like it's something that you owe them. How many of you gave your child some money to go do something and they're like, out the door? Neither one of my kids, ever. You know, they're, honestly, they were very good about it. Thanks, Dad. But is that what you want? Is just, what you want to say is, I don't know, you think. That breath you just took, he doesn't owe you that. The health that you enjoy, even if you're struggling, any health that you have is, he doesn't owe you that. The fact that you don't go to hell, God doesn't owe you that. And so it, it tells me that we ought to be in the business and, and about the idea that when God reveals himself to us and lets us see some of him we ought to lift him high and exalt his name here's what isaiah 25 1 says oh lord i will honor and praise your name for you are my god you do such wonderful things you planned them long ago and now you've accomplished them listen god's answered some of your prayers in a very dramatic powerful way lift his name praise his works praise him for who he is listen that you ought not to ask God for anything till you thank Him for something. Reflect His goodness. Praise His works. Trust His name. Do you, do you trust God? Do you? With everything? Trust Him with your family? Trust Him with your home? Trust Him with your finances? Trust Him with your time? Hmm. See, it's easy to talk about trusting God in this room. What I'm going to challenge you to do is trust God with everything.
sometimes I feel like, you know, when we first planted this church, I felt like I was a, a real contemporary pastor because I, I untucked my shirt. And sometimes the, the longer we're in it, the more I feel like maybe, maybe I'm more traditional than I thought. Because I think, I think trust, saying we trust God without backing it up with our actions is just cheap talk. Don't tell me you trust God with your finances when you're not being obedient to what he told you to do with your finances. Don't tell me you trust God with your time when you're not giving him any. You know, and I, I don't mean this a, in, in a harsh manner. Uh, and this is kind of why I told you we we're going to be at the deep end of the pool, because it's not easy. But if you're going to if you if you're going to chase Jesus. You're going to get out of your comfort zone. You have to do some things that you've never done before to go someplace you've never been. You got to do some things you've never done before to go someplace you've never been. If all you want is status quo Christianity, I'll come drop my dollar in the offering plate and, and, and hang out. I'll come late and leave early. If that's all you want, then so be it. And I'll love you and we'll hug you on your way in the door. And we'll hug you on the way out. But I want more than that for you. I want more than that for you. I want you to understand that you can trust God with your finances. You can trust God with your time. You can trust God with your effort and your energy. You can trust God with your family, even though it doesn't look like it. You can trust God with your children, even though they're wayward and prodigal. You can trust God with every part of your life. If you can't, this book is a lie, and it's not. Let's, let's trust God. And by trusting God, listen, and, and I, you guys know I, don't, I, I, I never you know, dislocate my shoulder, pat myself on the back, but I, I, I got to tell you this story. When we planted this church, we had no choice but to trust God. We invested everything we had into this place. And we came to church, we came to town with four members, and we all had the same last name. I probably wore that joke out, haven't I? <laughs> we had no choice but to trust God. And it was one of the sweetest times of our life. Psalm 56 says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Psalm 37 to 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your, your, your path straight. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, please get this one. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Anybody want some perfect peace? Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Psalm 9 and 10, and those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace. I want to read it again. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Do you trust him with every part of your life? It's convicting, isn't it? What's that part of your life that you don't trust him with? I, I, I pray that as we, as we continue this journey, man, you'll surrender that thing, that part that you don't trust him with. See, I, I've, always, I've always thought of those areas of You know, it's hard when you, you consider yourself a person of faith. <laughs> I'll, I'll never, you know, there was a, there was a time when uh, 
and, and listen, I don't, want, I don't want to make you sound like we just got oodles of money running around here because we don't. But there was a time when it was really skinny. And I was like, I don't know if I can buy that pencil eraser. You laugh. And I remember during that time, one of our, one of our biggest donors moved out of town. And I thought, well, that's it. We're in trouble now. And frankly, for a little while we were. This is, this is that, that guy that wrote the single largest check I've ever seen come to a church, to us. And when he moved out of town, I thought, we're done. Because I didn't trust God. I'd like, you know, here I am, Pastor Dwayne, man of faith. We're in trouble. And I learned to trust God in those times. Because you know what he does? He, he'll, he'll spank you is what he'll do. And, he, and I remember just riding, riding, and we didn't, we didn't have a building at that point. And I, I remember riding around and going, God, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And you're like, what? God's like, what, what, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to continue doing what I called you to do. You're going to continue building that church and let me take care of the rest. And I, I told you that story to tell you whatever that thing is, you don't. And maybe it's not a financial thing. Maybe it's a, uh, well, I, I can't lay this habit down because I, kn- I know what it'll do to me. And I, I'm telling you, you, you can't you can't ask those questions. Trust God. I can't beat this addiction. Yes, you can. Trust God. My marriage can't be healed. Yes, it can. Trust God. My kids will never get saved. Not with you talking like that. They won't. Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved and your house. Trust God. And I'm going to tell you what you'll find in the middle of that trust is you'll find a path to your purpose. Here's the last one. <laughs> Obey his word. What, what does your life look like if you reflect God's goodness? You praise his work, you trust his name, and you do all you can to obey his word. Mm. Jesus said these words, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Can we, can we go back to the deep end for just a minute? You know why we have a hard time obeying God's word? Because we don't know it. How, how can I follow the precepts and plans of the Lord if I haven't spent my life studying those? That's, that's why we talked about illuminate first. I'll give you a great question to ask in the middle of a difficult time. You ready? Great question. You can ask this for anything. You ready? Here we go. What does the Bible say? And and here's what your answer is going to be. I don't know. We'll find out. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And I promise you, you're going to think, well, the Bible doesn't talk about my job. Yes, it does. The Bible doesn't talk about my family. Oh, yes, it does. The Bible doesn't talk about money. Yes, it does. It talks about money more than it talks about heaven. It does. And if, if you want to go on this kind of pursuit, if you want to have this kind of purpose in your life, listen, before you can know God's plan, you've got to know his word. And that sounds so antiquated to a lot of people. But I'm going to tell you, that's been working for about 2,000 years. And it'll work for you. What does the Bible say? See, you're, I'm going to sum it up by saying this. Your calling and your purpose is to glorify God, magnify Jesus, and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's so much more. 
Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do for a living? Can I tell you that if we'll live our lives to glorify God, magnify Jesus, and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, all that other stuff, you'll find it. You'll find it there. You'll find it there. Well, I, you know, I, I, I got to go start hanging out at, uh, you know, uh, you know a, a bar because I can't meet anybody today. Okay, is that really what you want to do? No. You know what you need to do? You need to set your gaze on Jesus and let him work out his plan and purpose in your life. Because we find our purpose in the pursuit of Christ. That is your primary purpose, is to pursue him, to love him, to glorify him with every part of your life. And, and let, me, let me just, since I've, y'all are, are already a little shell-shocked at me this morning, let me just do a little more. You're never going to get there. You're never going to get to that place. But how about we spend the rest of our lives in pursuit of that? How about we spend the rest of our lives doing all we can do to magnify Jesus, to glorify God, and walk in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit? Because not only will you find our purpose in the pursuit of Christ, you'll find your calling in the pursuit of Christ. I have people ask me all the time, what am I supposed to do in the church? I don't know. I can find something for you to do. Yep, you know what's funny? Usually, when it works like that, I'm, I'm going I'm to pick on Jordan, I and I wouldn't plan on it. I would have, so he's just going to have to. Sometimes it's easier to get forgiveness and permission. I, I have people come all the time, and they said, I want to do something in the church. So I give them something to do. And it usually doesn't last. I just want to do something. Okay, well, come help me fold bulletins. <laughs> right? Come, come with my wife when we have to set these chairs up. That's work. Because she, ha- she has her way. You've got to find the pockets. They have to be the right place. You'll do that one time. I'm not wrong. Find me something to do. Okay, we need somebody to wipe, you know, Heinies in the nursery Sunday morning. All right. So if, if you just want something to do, we can find something for you to do, but that's not how it's supposed to work. Here's how it's supposed to work. I'm in pursuit of Christ, and God places a burden on my heart. Jordan called me and said, I think I'm supposed to be the youth pastor. And I said, how do you know? Well, I've been talking to the Lord. It's the right answer, by the way. So I I, I guess what I'm trying to say, y'all, I... I want to go on a deeper journey with Christ than I've ever been in my life. I want to, pr- listen, I, I know that I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do with my life, pastoring this church. Even then, that's not my primary calling. My primary calling is to glorify God. And I want to do that with my life more than I ever have. And here's what I really would like, is that some of y'all go with me. I, I'd, I'd love for for a whole bunch of y'all to say, okay, Dwayne, we'll go. We'll trust God in things we've never trusted God with before. We'll take steps we've never taken before. I'll consecrate myself like I've never consecrated myself before. And, and listen, I promise you, I promise you, a million years from then, we'll look back and go, wasn't that, a, wasn't that an awesome path? Somebody come and It's, it's funny, I looked down on the front row and she wasn't there. <laughs> Bow your heads with me. I want you to pay very special attention 
to what I'm going to ask you to do. Sometimes we don't respond to prayer appeals or altar calls or any of, that, any, any of those types of appeals because we think, well, somebody will think that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And please don't let that get in your head right now. So I guess what I'm asking you this morning, are you walking in divine purpose? Maybe you would say, Dwayne, I want to walk in the purpose that God has for me. And I know that you read that it was before, before the foundations of the earth that God had a plan and a purpose for me. And I want to walk in that. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you're not, you know, doesn't mean you're not living right. See, because this prayer that I'm asking you to pray, I've recently prayed. Very recently. God, I I know what you've called me to do, but I want to live my life with purpose. I want to walk not in my purpose. I want to walk in yours. Because I know you have one. Pastor Wayne, I want to walk in God's purpose for my life. If that's you just... Right where you're at, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air. Whole bunch, whole bunch of hands. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to slip out of your chair. I want you to come kneel around these altars, and we're going to pray together. Now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.